Hello again and welcome to Capital Ideas. This is where we sit down with members of the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. Our guest today is State Representative Tina Orwall. Tina represents Washington's 33rd Legislative District, a South King County district that includes SeaTac, Des Moines, Normandy Park, and large parts of both Burien and Kent. Representative Orwall has just wrapped up her first two years in the legislature. Before running for office in 2008, she focused her energy on strategic planning and health care and workforce development, affordable housing efforts, and as a veterans advocate, and on the development of public-private partnerships. In Olympia, Tina serves as vice chair of the House Human Services Committee, and she's a member of the Chamber's Education and Capital Budget Panels as well. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Tina Orwall. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to speak with us. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Let me ask you a question I've been asking the other legislators that have appeared on Capital Ideas. Overall, the consensus on this 2010 legislative session is that it was a bear, the toughest that many people have faced in their careers. You're a freshman. I know that you've only had two sessions to deal with, but could you talk a little bit about your take on the 2010 session? Well, it certainly was challenging. You know, I went down to Olympia to really support schools and fully fund them and to make sure we had a good safety net and human services. And so it was challenging to cut those things. Uh, it also, that I would say, even during tough economic times, there's an opportunity to do reform. And so I'm really proud of some of the reform work we've done to really help government and schools work more efficiently. So it's still an opportunity to move forward. Talking about reform, I've, I've looked at your newsletter and I noticed that the word reform does crop up quite a few times in relation to education. There was some business insurance reform that is real central to your district here that you were the spearhead on. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you did take part in during the 2010 session that you feel like, regardless of the budget problems, made a positive difference here for your district and also the state. All right. Well, thank you. That's a good question. Yeah, my top priority coming into this session was really to address the issues faced in the Kent Valley with the businesses. When we found out right after the 2009 session that there was damage to the Hanson Dam that increased the flooding risk, businesses started losing their insurance, and this left them in a terrible position. So during the session, I teamed up with Senator Karen Kaiser, and we were able to move forward a bill that basically makes sure there's an insurance pool. It makes sure that businesses in Kent who have lost their insurance or have had huge increases, that there is enough insurance available for them to have coverage. That actually has already been implemented, and they've already started working on that. So that certainly is probably the top bill that impacted the district immediately. The other work on education, I think, affects the district and the whole state. The education reform, we started in 2009, and we really continued it. Uh, there's a much larger reform package, which is also connected to the race to the top, which many people have heard about. So we're also going for some additional federal funds to help us implement the reform. Some of the key pieces will be lower class sizes. There will be uh, opportunity for people who are professionals who would like to go back into the teaching profession to be able to become teachers. 
And this would especially help us in the background of math and sciences if there's retired engineers from Boeing, you know, that would like to help out in schools. There's an easier track for them to become a teacher now. There are some unemployed professionals that might like to go that route as well. Absolutely. We have so much talent in this area. We have so many professionals that have so much to offer, and this, this is another way they can connect back to their community. Tell me about the STEM program. I think this is a new acronym for a lot of people. Everybody knows what DSHS or the FBI stands mm-hmm. for, but STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. These are areas that are more and more important in the 21st century economy. How does the STEM program work, and how might it affect this district specifically? You know, it's really interesting to me that we live in such a high-technology area. I mean, we're really known for this across the nation. And when you look um, at some of the companies like Microsoft, we're hearing that only about 10% of the workforce is hired locally. And so part of the use of STEM in emphasizing math and science is to make sure our kids can compete for the jobs in our area. Some schools are struggling to get kids proficient in math and science. And so we're really fortunate in this district to have what's called Aviation High School. It does all the requirements of a high school, but it has a special emphasis on math and science. And one of the things they do that's been shown to be highly effective is they have a lot of hands-on learning. They bring in a lot of professionals from the community, and people are learning to build and design things. And it's very specialized. And You know, at this point in time, if you look at a typical high school, about 36% pass the science wassail. And when you look at aviation high school, which is one of the three STEM schools, 100% are passing the science wassail, which is pretty remarkable. You know, there's such a great emphasis on learning and learning through teams and hands-on that we were really seeing the kids excel. So part of what I worked on is how do you take these best practices we've learned in, in the three STEM schools we have in the state and help other high schools really start to move forward of engaging and getting kids excited about math and science and helping them excel. It's almost become a cliche that education and jobs go hand in hand. A lot of the work in the legislature this session had to do with either creating jobs or creating situations in which jobs could flourish. Could you talk a little bit about that? I know that you had your hand in at least two or three different bills that were specifically geared to increase employment opportunities. Well, the one I sponsored was called the Washington Works Act, and it is designed to help create workforce housing. And this is a type of housing that is really for people with low or moderate incomes. And so examples would be teachers, police officers. And the point of workforce housing is to allow people who work in a community who might not be able to afford to live in that community stay. So the point of workforce housing is really to make sure that people have the ability to live in the communities they work. And uh, the workforce housing we anticipate would uh, create about 3,000 jobs. What's exciting to me and was so important with this bill and the other bill I'll talk about is that stabilizing the housing market is a key to our economy's recovery. And these are creating jobs in that market, which I think in some areas of the building trade, there's about 30 to 40 percent unemployment. So we really did want to target jobs in this really hard hit area during the recession. So that will move forward. The other piece we're working on related to the workforce housing is, can we do more apprenticeship for youth, maybe troubled youth that could be working on these projects and learning new skills? So I hope that happens. Another one that was worked on was a Jobs Act, which I was excited about because it's really about 
going to our schools and helping to make sure they're energy efficient and even more importantly, healthy buildings. And so that would um, be something the voters can consider in the fall. But, you know, it certainly is a way of creating jobs and helping schools. Back a second to the Workforce Housing Act. Naturally, there's going to be jobs created for people that will build these homes. But in addition, by allowing people to move into the community where they work, they'll begin to spend some of their daily money in that community. They'll do their dry cleaning there instead of at their home that previously might have been 40 miles away. They'll put their kids in their schools. They'll begin to pay taxes in in communities. And so it seems like a way to build up any given community's economy. Yeah, you know, I think it is a good thing. It's it's healthy for the communities where they work. It's also, you know, really healthy for the environment. You know, people on the roads a lot less time. You know, I think a lot of people do have 40-minute or longer commutes, and uh, it certainly would help reduce that. While we're talking about housing, I know that the foreclosure assistance program uh, was expanded this year, and a lot of that had to do with work that you did. Yeah, you know, it's a really important topic. When I first started the legislature in 2009, one of the first things I learned is that South King County was the third highest rate of foreclosure in the state. And uh, we did receive some calls to our office asking for assistance. And so uh, we passed a reform bill in 2009 to help give homeowners more time to see if they could stay in their homes and worked on some procedures with the banks. And uh, that certainly made a difference. What we found, though, also is that one of the the top factors of whether someone stays in their home or not is whether they have a housing counselor. So in the 2010 session, what we did was expand resources to provide more housing counselors to families. And I know that the, the folks that called our district who were connected with housing counselors were all able to remain in their homes, which I was really glad about as well. A lot of your work in the legislature, your vice chair of the Human Services Committee, for example, seems to stem from your background. Some, sometimes if a person is an engineer, they may come into the legislature and focus on technical issues, period. Your background is as a social worker, among other things. Could you talk a little bit about how you basically have brought your, your career and, and your life interest into the legislature? Yeah, you know, my training is in social work. I have a master's in social work, and I worked for many years in mental health and addictions and affordable housing. Certainly that does shape on the things that I do work on. And coming into the 2010 session with the budget situation, it was an opportunity to kind of triage those most in need. And so I certainly have spent time trying to advocate for people who I think are very vulnerable, who really rely on the state for assistance. And I also have a background in working with public-private partnerships, helping government with work with foundations, and, and certainly I'm trying to continue that work of partnerships in the legislature. We've talked about the 2010 session, some of the difficulties involved. It's, it's widespread knowledge that the budget was a, was a huge problem, and it remains a huge problem. How do you see the 2011 session shaping up? Is it going to be a repeat of 2010? Is it going to be worse? Is it going to be possibly a little easier because of the experience that you've been through with this particular year? Well, I think it will be challenging in the sense that uh, some of the federal stimulus dollars we received will be going away. And so we do have a potential for another budget gap um, going into this next session. I think the experience I've had the last two years has helped me maybe become more prepared. Uh, We're doing a number of meetings this summer about government reform and funding. 
and so that we can have ideas of, of what we'll need to do to help balance the budget coming into next session. We're about out of time for this edition of Capital Ideas. Tina, is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you haven't brought up yet that you think would be important for listeners to hear? Well, one of the things I'm working on for next session, which I'm really excited about, is a public-private partnership that would be between the schools and the foundations. And one of the things we're looking at is how do we help keep, keep kids in schools? We have a very large dropout rate. It's um, 30 to 40% in some areas. And some of the models we've looked at on the East Coast have integrated early learning into the school system along with mental health and addiction services, not only for students but families. And some of these schools have gone from a 40% dropout rate to 7%. And so I'm working with some of the private foundations along with the recent health care reform that was passed to see what resources we could put into some of the schools in South King County to try some of these models locally. So I'll be working on that um, this summer and next session. And that's something that would likely go through two of your committees, one being human services, the other being the education committee. So it seems like you're poised in a pretty good position to try to make some of this happen. Yeah, I think so. I think serving on those committees will help move that forward and bring all the stakeholders to the table. Good luck, and thank you for joining us here on Capital Ideas. Thank you. It was good to be here. Well, that's today's program. Subscribe to this podcast now and spend a few minutes a week with Capital Ideas. After all, it's your state government, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. 